Well, before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah adonai Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to start tonight with a story that Yeshua told that fascinates me every time I read it. It's, it's quite short, but it quickly opens a window into Yeshua's insights into our human nature. And we discover that Yeshua is not fooled by the very polite or religious mask that people like to wear in public or even uh, like to wear with close friends sometimes. It also opens a window into our own souls so we can see what we are really like and what in fact is important to us. And whenever I read this story, I think Yeshua is looking for people who say no. And it's a paradox, which we'll read about. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 28 and going to verse 32. If, if you're writing in the comments section and participating in that way, I'd encourage you to put the scripture reference, Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32. Now, this story starts with Yeshua asking a question, what do you think? And then he tells this story. There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first one and he said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, the son replied, but later he changed his mind or he repented and he went. Now verse 30, and then the man went to his second son and told him the same thing. And he said, yes, sir, I will, sir. But, and this is an important but, he did not go. So I like to try to imagine being there and listening to Yeshua tell this story and wondering, what's he going to say next? Well, he asks a question, the specific question. And before we read it together, let's consider some possibilities. Yeshua could ask a question like, which son had the better attitude when the father gave them the assignment? Or he could have said, which son was more polite? Which son was more agreeable, seemed easier to get along with? He could have asked those questions, but those are not the questions that Yeshua asked. He asked an entirely different question. So let's go to verse 31 for Yeshua's question. Here's his question. Which of these two did the will of the Father? That's the question. Nothing about attitude. Isn't that interesting? Who did the will of the Father? Well, the people around him said, the first one. So let's pause for a moment and, and ponder that. Yeshua asked, which son did the will of his father? The first one, the one who said no. The one who said no turns out to be the good guy in this story, the one who said no. How, how can the one who says no be the good guy? Well, in this short story that Yeshua tells, the answer is pretty clear, because he reconsidered, he changed his mind, he repented, and then he went to work in the vineyard. You see, he untangled his no. His no was tangled up in a lot of stuff, but when he thought through it, he thought again, 
and he thought better. He changed his mind. He said no, but then he actually did what he was asked to do. He untangled his no. And that's why my title tonight is Untangling Our No. Interestingly, the second one, the one who very politely said to his father, yes, sir, he also changed his mind, but he decided not to do what his father asked him. You see, his polite response was not worth anything in this case. Are, are we quick to say yes and then don't do what we say? Or maybe we're quick to say no, and then we wrestle with our no and deal with our own responses and our reactions. We untangle our no. Well, I think some of us have a delay circuit on our yes button, if you will. We want to go straight to yes. We want to push the yes button. We want yes to come out of our mouths, but it doesn't always come out first. We're desperately trying sometimes to get straight to yes. But doesn't it seem like sometimes we just go to no first? I think it's understandable in a young person. But sometimes us older people are the same. I want to say yes, but I don't. It, it seems like sometimes my no is just faster. It gets out first. How many of you can relate to that? I, I think a number of us have that experience. It's like my no is standing at the front of the line and wants to go first, and it tries to elbow its way to the front, and it comes out of my mouth. And then my heart regrets it. Well, let's get back to the passage in Matthew, Matthew 21, 31. Now, Yeshua said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you, because John came to you in a righteous way, and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you didn't repent and believe him. So Yeshua is connecting the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Uh, he's connecting them with that son who said no. You know, they're out of sorts. They're disrespectful, maybe impolite, disobedient. Definitely, they're choosing a way that's not good. But... And let's all say that together, but, 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 and that word, but is an important word, but they repented and they changed their minds. Now, the religious folk in this story, they're like the son who said, yes, they were respectful and polite and proper and religious, but, and again, we've got that, but let's say that together, but but they did not repent and they didn't believe what John was telling them. You see, that's what Yeshua says. You could have seen what's going on, religious folk, proper folk, people with good behavior and good attitudes, it appears. You could have repented when you saw that others who were worse off than you actually did repent and they started coming in ahead of you. 
And so Yeshua asked the question, who did the will of the Father? And it's not meant to be critical or judgmental. It's, it's meant to be insightful. It opens the window of our own souls if we dare to look in. And I love this story because it helps me examine myself. It helps us examine ourselves. It helps us think about our own inner workings and what hidden processes are at work inside of us. No one else can really know what's happening on the inside with you until they see what you do. You may have lag time that's operating on you, but in fact, your actions will speak louder than words as the old proverb or saw goes. So this is a great story, I love it. It, it helps me see how important it is for me to make my responses and my actions consistent and congruent. You see, the Lord isn't put off by people who he finds who are in a bad condition or a bad way or, or really separated from them. He realizes that some of those who have been saying no to him will have a change of heart. When, when they experience the, the grace, the love, and the truth of Yeshua, it can change them from the inside out. And that's what this week's Haftorah portion is talking about. It's in the prophetic scripture, Ezekiel chapter 36, starting in verse 24. So you can write this in the comment section, Ezekiel 36, verse 24, and then following. And this is the, the prophetic word, and it's in the voice of the Lord. For I will take you from among the nations, and I will gather you from all the countries and return you to your own soil. Verse 25, and then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will become clean. And I will cleanse you from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. And then I really want to underline this next verse, verse 26. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit inside of you. I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit inside you and cause you to live by my laws, respect my rulings, and obey them. Verse 28, you will live in the land I gave to your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God, and I will save you from all of your uncleanness. I love this passage because it talks about something that each of us has to confront in ourselves. We have to, we have to see it for ourselves and then have a realization. And then we have to examine how do we think about it and what's our actual position. It doesn't call for a superficial action, but something really deep. And that's why Yeshua's insights about the one who says no, but does it is interesting. And his insight about the one who says yes, but doesn't do what his father says. It's very interesting. It helps us examine ourselves. It helps us really come to terms with ourselves. What, what am I like? What do I need to do? When I was first turning to the Lord, I felt like I needed to improve myself. I needed, because I did, of course. I mean, there are a lot of things that needed to, to uh, be 
fixed in my life. But I thought I need to get better. I need to um, make myself better. And then I can really be sincere with the Lord. And I tried. I really did. I tried for months and months. I had, I had a small level of faith. It was enough. It was a mustard seed. I had a small level of faith, but I was still trying to do things on my own. And I had to come to terms with something that I needed a new heart and I needed the spirit of God. I couldn't just change my behavior. It wasn't simply a matter of trying to learn the rules that God has and then conform to those. God knows that we need changes that touch us in the deepest parts of who we are, that, that touch our nature, that touch, touch our, our hidden places, the heart, the mind, our soul, our will, even the depths of our personality. Now, I remember when I had to come to terms with this, that no matter what I did to make myself better, I could never make myself good enough. For the Lord. Oh, I could be better than some schlump or some schlemiel I would compare myself to, but compared to the holiness of God, I was unholy. I was inadequate. I couldn't save myself, and yet I needed cleansing. And that's why I think this, this passage in Ezekiel 36 in verse 29 is actually so um, poignant, especially for those of us who grew up uh, in Jewish families here in America, because there are certain words that are in this passage that we don't generally hear in our growing up experience. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. First of all, Jews don't typically talk about needing to be saved and God doing the saving. That's number one. And the other one is that we're not so inclined to, um, to want to deal with our uncleanliness, our spiritual unclean uh, persons. Of course, we do at Yom Kippur, and there are certain times when, um, when we face our sins, but it's not a, a common occurrence to focus on that. In fact, in many ways, uh, for much of American Judaism, especially Reform Judaism and, and even conservative Judaism, it's called conservative, it used to be conservative, but uh, it wouldn't be conservative in many ways using the, the common way we use that uh, adjective now. But for many Reform Jews and for many conservative Jews, and for many who grew up just in a, in a cultural Jewish milieu, the idea that we need to be saved could come across as a foreign idea, but it wasn't foreign to Ezekiel. It wasn't foreign to the writers of the Hebrew scriptures, the Jewish scriptures, of the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. No, it was essential. It was part of the prophetic message that we need to be saved. 
And what we need to be saved from is this condition inside of us that keeps us unclean. We need to be reconciled to God. And we need not just to slap on a coat of, of new paint or new behavior or new religiosity or something like that. No, we, we need an overhaul. We need a new heart and we need a new spirit. That's a lot of heavy lifting, if you think about it, if you're trying to do it on your own, if you say, you know what, I need a new heart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my own. Well, good luck with that. Sort of like the Tin Man or the Scarecrow um, or the Lion and the Wizard of Oz. You can't really do that fully. I can tell you that. So tonight, I, I, I want to speak directly to anyone who's been saying no to Yeshua or saying no to God. Now is really a good time to turn around. It's a good time to go in a new direction, this time to go with the Lord, to repent and to face the issues of your heart and to ask for forgiveness. And repent here, I, I wanna use a more classic Jewish and Hebrew biblical definition of repent. Repent means to turn around, to change direction, and to go towards God, to turn away from sin and everything that separates us from God, and to move in the direction of God. It involves a change of mind as well, which is why the Greek uh, writings in the New Covenant and um, in in Greek translations of the Jewish Bible, use a, a word metanoia, which means a change of thinking, a change of mind. When we have a change that's real repentance, it means more than just feeling sad or just having regrets. It's not primarily that. You know, some people, um, they associate repentance with like this religious behavior of crying. And uh, there are some Orthodox Jewish habits, you know, that you beat your chest when you're trying to show that you're repentant. But those outward manifestations may mask or camouflage the inner workings of what's going on. Because people can actually, on the outside, say one thing. They can be saying yes, but on the inside, they're unchanged. And as soon as they get some distance, their yes will become a yes, but, and that yes, but will become an absolute no in the depths of who they are, in their heart and in their behavior. So it's really important for us to be honest with ourselves and to pay attention with, with Yeshua's insights to our own condition. What are we like? What is our response? What are the inner struggles and the inner workings that are going on in us? I, I believe it's so important for us to pay attention to this and to come to grips with this. And, and I realize this, that it's not just conforming to this a new religious behavior or a new morality, even though it will touch your morality and it will touch your religious behavior, but it's not just doing that. It's much more than that. It's, it's coming before God in humility and asking for forgiveness. 
it's recognizing that Yeshua has become your own atonement, your own atoning sacrifice, the one who redeems you as a kinsman, and he becomes your Passover lamb. And when you realize that this is what Yeshua has done for you, and with humility and honesty and sincerity, you change your direction and you start turning towards him, then your yes will be yes. And then your no will be no too. You'll say no to the things that separate you from God. You'll say yes to God and to all that brings you closer to him. And when you do that, you know what? You'll experience freedom. You'll experience uh, a sense of joy and, and a sense also of completion. You'll find uh, more about life. You'll be able to enjoy more about life, even in the midst of challenging times. So my heart is to encourage you to untangle your no and to receive a new heart from the Lord and a new spirit from the Lord. And if that's in your heart, please let us know so that we can stay in contact with you and, and encourage you in this new direction. Right now, I just want to pray for you and for everyone um, who, who's wanting to untangle the no that's gotten a hold of them. Lord, I thank you that there's freedom and sincerity that you offer to us. There's wholeness. And that when we see this no, this resistance, this quick resistance to instruction or to your word or your authority, when we see that and it comes out of us, that we would recognize it and then we would untangle ourselves from it. Lord, let it be that, that we recognize such a no. And then we think differently about that no, and we change from our heart outwardly to our behavior. And we change and we do even what we said we wouldn't do, because now we know, Lord, that it's in your heart to lead us and to draw us close to you. And it's in our heart to say yes to you. We don't want to be people who start with simple yeses, but we don't keep our word to you, or we seem to be enthusiastic, but we don't endure when there's distraction or trouble or, or uh, the crowding of the cares of this world. We want to be those who keep a straight heart and a straight mind and move with uh, in a straightforward way, Lord, with you. That's what we want. And Lord, I thank you for the Mishpacha at Beth Israel. I thank you for everyone who set their heart on following you. I thank you for those even who have been stumbling in these days or have grown weary because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. And I pray that you would renew and refresh us all, that we would have vigor and we would have vitality and we would have victory as well. And that we would find every yes and amen in you, Yeshua. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your goodness. In Yeshua's name, we pray. Well, we're going to close with Aaron's blessing and then a final worship song. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? And if this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry. All the information you need can be found on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving.
And now for Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you, guard and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you with all of his favor. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me, we want to say Shabbat Shalom and hope you can join us tomorrow for the live stream service that will also be live from the sanctuary. Shabbat Shalom. Hope to see you tomorrow.